Coffee House Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 billion in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com slash climate. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. Today, Keir Starmer has faced Boris Johnson at Prime Minister's Questions. Isabel, talk us through his two methods of attack. So first he talked about the Mirror front page story that last year during uh, lockdown restrictions, there was a party that the Prime Minister had in Downing Street that, according to the Mirror, broke the rules. Downing Street say no rules were broken, but hasn't denied that there was a party. So Keir Starmer uh, led on that and basically uh, accused the Prime Minister of having you know, one rule for, for the public and then not caring about the rules for himself. Then he moved on to the government's 40 new hospitals programme, which I think all of us have probably had conversations with Tory MPs where they've laughed about the idea of it being 40 new hospitals because it isn't. And Keir Starmer didn't actually lead on that particular point. He led on the fact that this has been given a red flag by the uh, Treasury and Cabinet Office because it's currently, as a programme, undeliverable. And Boris Johnson uh, denied that, whereas the Treasury and Cabinet Office haven't. So Keir Starmer pinned him down a little bit on that. And then he moved on to saying... Until now, I I thought I knew what a hospital was. But aha, here's a leaked document that uh, admits that a lot of these are actually refurbishments of existing hospital properties, uh, but instructs people to describe them as new hospitals anyway. Then he accuses the Prime Minister of more broken promises. So this is the, the sort of the Keir Starmer grand theme, which is that the Prime Minister is repeatedly taking the electorate for fools. Boris Johnson's uh, rejoinder was basically... The public aren't going to care about something that was happening 12 months ago, which was on the party, and then accused Keir Starmer of drivelling on while the government gets on with delivering the people's priorities and please can everyone get a booster jab. So it wasn't Boris Johnson's strongest session, it wasn't his worst session, but it also wasn't Keir Starmer's most effective session. I think he probably has raised the salience again of this uh, misnamed hospital building programme. But I'm not sure he's triggered panic in Downing Street or in government more widely. And James, when it comes to that story in the Mirror today, which it's about touched on, so the uh, reports, allegations that Boris Johnson had a staff party over Christmas, how damaging is this to the Prime Minister? You see the Prime Minister's spokesperson saying they followed all the rule, the guidance at the time, but yet a lot of people didn't feel around Christmas as though they were allowed to have parties even around their desks. I, I think... Feelings of voters are slightly more than the idea. There's one set of rules for them and one set of rules for the kind of political elite, a kind of zill lane approach to kind of the, the regulations. And I think that applies even if uh, Downing Street says, well, actually, if you read subsection C, line three, you can find the justification for what was... People, people had a sense that they were banned from socialising and they don't like the idea that other people are socialising. Now, I think that what how people will feel about this story will, I think, depend slightly on what happens with Omicron and restrictions coming back. I think if restrictions come back, I suspect you'll find people coming back to this issue more angry about it than they they maybe currently are. 
because it'll be like, oh, you're telling us we, you, we can't do X, Y, and Z, and yet you're saying this. So I, I think that's probably the issue. And I think one tactical achievement that Keir Starmer had at PMQs was, but I think, you know, that the big broadcasters had been a little bit hesitant about this story before PMQs. And I think he is, by asking about it, by the fact that Boris Johnson conspicuously didn't deny the story outright uh, at the dispatch box, uh, I think I think Starmer has probably succeeded in ensuring this story gets a bit more airplay in the broadcast media than it otherwise would have done. Yes, and it's now one of the stories leading the BBC News website. Um, Isabel, it comes at a time when Sajid Javid is telling everyone, perhaps unrelated, but not to cancel your Christmas parties. Downing Street have been accused of mixed messaging when it comes to something that they have been accused of many times before. When it comes to recent comments about COVID, we saw Jenny Harris yesterday um, suggesting actually maybe people should reduce contacts. But for now, the mood music from government is not to worry. Currently, the line from Downing Street is that the the guidance hasn't changed. And Boris Johnson said at the press conference yesterday that he didn't want people to cancel Christmas parties and nativities, even though you you can, not that he said this, but you can understand why some people might be taking that precaution. Uh, You can also understand why uh, people might not necessarily be taking him at his word, given the past two years where he has said that everything's going to be okay right up until a sort of precipitous drop into a lockdown uh, where he really can't hold that line any further and his line yesterday at the press conference was another lockdown along the lines of those that we've seen on in the past is unlikely now I don't know about you but I can't imagine there's that many people who went oh that's okay then I'm gonna carry on with my Christmas plans and not worry at all I think there's also a a, a tricky question here for the government which is they, if they start suggesting that the Jenny Harris thing, which has obviously caused outrage among Tory MPs, that you know this idea people should voluntarily cut down their contacts, I think one of the other things that, that, that the government will be aware of is that for industries such as hospitality that have had, a, a, you know, that have been shut for a lot of the time, they've survived off um, government support. The government isn't bringing back that support. If you suddenly saw everywhere cancelling their Christmas parties, that would probably tip quite a few businesses over the edge. So they are once more stuck in this difficult position. I think it's particularly difficult because they are not yet sure how worried they should be about Omicron. I thought, you know, I thought it was an interesting point that Chris Mime of the Times makes is that the, the government are now trying to talk almost about two pandemics. There's, there's the Delta pandemic where... They feel that the the measures are winning, the hospitalizations are are dropping, and then there's this omicron pan, omicron pandemic. I will pronounce it correctly at some point, where no one is quite sure what is going on, how bad it is going to be, how much it escapes the vaccine, how much the vaccines would still prevent against severe disease, regardless, which both BioNTech, who helped develop the Pfizer vaccine, and the Oxford team who helped develop the AstraZeneca vaccine, are still quite confident it, it will be quite effective on severe disease. So there is, oddly enough, we have kind of almost two pandemics going on at the same time. And, and the difficulty for the government is that that the measures required to deal with them are different. At the moment, it's quite clear that, the, that if you are prepared to accept the relatively high number of cases that the UK is prepared to accept, then the government's measures on Delta are working. What, what we don't know yet is whether the government's measures are sufficient on Omicron or not. And Isabel, we've been talking about the government's plans and how Jenny Harris's comments um, had the potential to rub up Tory MPs the wrong way. Yesterday, we did have votes in the Commons when it comes to the new rules. Um, so 
face masks in certain areas such as shops and then also self-isolation if you come into contact with someone who has um, tested positive for the Omicron variant there was a rebellion more so on one vote than the other yeah, there were there were two votes. One was on the wearing of face masks and in shops and on public transport. And the other one was on self-isolation requirements for people who have a contact who tests positive. And those rebellions, there, there was, as you say, the, the one on mask wearing passed 434 votes to 23. And then the self-isolation vote was 431 votes to 36. Now, Generally, it's considered that 40 is the problematic number for for a rebellion. And uh, obviously, that second vote was very close to that. And I think there's 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 a couple of things at play here. One is that Conservative MPs are just very upset about the idea that these regulations were brought out before they got a chance to vote on them and uh, they don't like the way in which parliament has been treated throughout this pandemic really as an afterthought a sort of rubber stamping operation the other is on the substantive policies which is that a lot of mps and i think steve baker was the one who expressed this as ever most forcefully are worried that we're just going to bounce in and out of these restrictions possibly forever uh, because If you get new variants and they are vaccine resistant and you have uh, drugs companies like Pfizer saying, as they have this week, that it would take 100 days to develop a tailored vaccine, even though scientifically that's very impressive, uh, it still means three months potentially of restrictions. And so uh, the the concern of these Conservative MPs is you're, you're basically never going to come out of mask wearing and pandemics for, for, you know, forever. I also think one of the other things here is that the, the debate has moved a long way and, and not just in, in this country. You look at Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, saying, now this is not a European Union competence. But she was essentially saying that the European Union has to have a conversation about compulsory vaccination to deal with COVID. The new incoming German Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, is reported by the German media to be keen on this idea. And I think... I, I think this is, as someone who is very in favour of people getting vaccinated, I, but I do think this is quite a jump if we are moving towards compulsory vaccination. And I think it's something that that, that, we, that we should slightly pause on because I think there is that there there are there are bigger philosophical questions here. But I think that I think one of the problems is that that after the eighteen months everyone has been through. People are looking at all sorts of options, and and I think I think it might and I think that it might be time. So, might, now, this is not a a virus that gives you much time to think, but it might actually be time to take a moment to think as to whether introducing kind of compulsory vaccinations is a whether it's going to really what it might do to the take up rate of other vaccines, which is what Chris Whitty's argument in private here is. Not that anyone in, in in British politics is seriously suggesting compulsory vaccination. One of the things he says is you must be careful that you don't create. We don't really have an anti vaccine movement of any size in this country, but you must be careful that in trying to promote the COVID vaccine, you don't take measures up that leads to there being a wider backlash against vaccines because that really would be a disaster for public health. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening. And while we have you here, do sign up to Isabel's Evening Blend for all the latest news and analysis to boot. Just go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash blend.